Good morning. So, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles, we're going to 1 Thessalonians 5. Um, there, my topic this morning, I could pick any number of, verses, of, of texts, any number of passages from the Bible. Um, the ones I've uh, chosen to, to focus on, if you like, are the one Dave read earlier from 1 Kings 19, and this one from 1 Thessalonians 5. Um, which is, and I'm going to start reading at verse 16, um, and just read through to verse 22, which isn't actually very long. So Paul writes at the end of his letter to the Thessalonians, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. So, this is the third talk, as I think Dave has mentioned, in our series on prayer. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, Dave spoke on prayer as a lifestyle. Last week, Joanna spoke on praying for other believers. And today, uh, Dave and Sarah have given me the text, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, which must be the shortest text I've ever been asked to speak on. Uh, Just two words. Pray continually. I do struggle with that. I certainly know I could pray more than than I do, but could I really pray all the time as I go about my life? I struggle to do more than one thing at once at the best of times. (laughs) Before Before I go on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have already sensed your presence here, your spirit here this morning. And we're here talking about talking to you and listening to you. And we pray, Lord, that you would be here. You'd be in my words. You would speak to each one of us. That we would sense your presence. That we would know today, know you are real and you love us and you are here. Amen. So, as I said, how do we pray continually if we can't do more than one thing at once? I know some of you probably believe you can do more than one thing at once. I am told regularly I can't. Um, We'll look at it another way. Um, Most of us can keep talking and listening as, as we do something else. Talking, conversation with other people while we do our day-to-day lives is, is quite common. It's quite normal. I mean, some of the tasks we can do, um, we can talk while we do them. We can wash up while we, while we talk. We can talk while we wash up. We can, all sorts of tasks we can talk, talk while we're doing. Some of us may be known for talking all the time. Now, if we can talk all the time, just like talking to other people, why can't we pray all the time? So today, I'm going to be talking about prayer as conversation. Um, my guide is Dallas Willard. This is the book. Um, it's quite a fairly old book, a couple of decades, I think. It's called Hearing God, subtitled Developing a Conversational Relationship with God. Now, he comes at it from a different perspective. He comes at it from the perspective we've all been there sometime. We all want to hear God. We want to know what he says into our lives. Now, Dallas Willard says we will best learn to hear God if we practice conversation with him. 
rather than only asking him occasionally when we've got some particular problem. He says, we are made for intimate relationship with God. Intimate relationship with God was the normal situation before the fall. And following Christ's sacrifice, it can happen again. Christ has bridged that gap. We can be back in intimate relationship with God. Now, what Willard then says is that an intimate relationship must involve conversation. Can you imagine an intimate relationship, any sort of deep, meaningful friendship with anyone that didn't involve conversation? So God must intend us to have two-way communication with him. All those in the Bible who who are recorded as having intimate conversation, intimate relationships with God, have some sort of conversation with him. Adam and Eve spoke with God as he walked with them in the garden in the cool of the day. Moses spoke with God face to face. David wrote and sang psalms that tell of his intimate relationship with God. With God, in some of the psalms, he records God speaking to him as well as him speaking to God. We heard um, the passage. Dave read earlier, is in the context of a conversation between Elijah and God. The Bible, the Old Testament, is full of prophets, of the conversations, of the revelations that prophets had from God. And the disciples reclined at the table with Jesus and chatted with him. Humanity's relationship with God is two-way. But the difference between But when I say the word prayer, we tend to think of one way, us to God. So Willard's book is about the part of of that conversation that we feel find hardest, the bit from God to us, hearing God. One way of putting this, the book is, is about hearing God so that we can converse with him. But as we come through this, we'll turn that on our on its head and realize that the way through this is about conversing with God so that we can hear him. That might seem a little strange at the moment, in the moment, but we'll come to it later. So, firstly, I'm going to talk a little bit about how, how we can hear God, how it, how it works. Then I'm going to talk about some things that get in the way of hearing God. And then finally, I'm going to talk about how love for God and relationship with him are central to hearing God. So, Dallas Willard devotes a whole chapter uh, to the different ways in which God speaks. Some of which are dreams, visions, voices, audible voices, uh, very much the Bible, events, angels, uh, in some cases even a personal appearance of Jesus, as happened to Paul on the Damascus Road, and very much God speaks to us through other people. Willard writes about the special role occupied by the Bible, but he emphasises that the Bible doesn't teach, and there's no reason for us to suppose, that God only speaks through the Bible. On the contrary, the Bible teaches that it's normal for Christians to be in intimate relationship with God, and that implies that God does not just speak through the Bible. The Bible is the central revealed word of God, but it is not, and it's the the first place we go to when we want to hear from God, but it's not the only way he speaks. And Although he doesn't expand on it, Dallas Willard also talks 
also emphasizes that God very frequently speaks to us through other people. A really important way in which God speaks to us. But his main topic is God speaking directly to a person through what he calls the still, small voice. Now he takes that phrase from 1 Kings 19, which is an old translation of what we heard as the gentle whisper. So the still, small voice, the gentle whisper in 1 Kings 19. The Lord is not in the wind, in the earthquake, in the fire. He was in the still, small voice. And what he means by that, what Willard means by that, is that God forming thoughts in our minds. We don't hear a voice, but a thought comes into our mind. It's almost like it's our thought, but it didn't come from us. And Willard says that the, the still small voice is the best way of hearing God. It's not the only way we'll ever hear from God, but far from it, but it's the best way of hearing God um, speaking specifically to us. Um, because it's undramatic, Willard says unobtrusive, and it's clear. If God were to speak in a dramatic way, writing on the wall, massive signs, wonders, earthquakes, wind and fire, all that drama would distract from the message. We'd be so amazed by God that we wouldn't hear what he had to say. On the other hand, dreams and visions may be less dramatic, but they're not very clear. You have to interpret a dream. better for God to speak as he did to Moses where it says he spoke face to face but it also says clearly not in riddles so Willard says if we want to converse with God we should not seek or expect the dramatic or spectacular that's what the the message of this passage in 1 Kings, we don't look for the earthquake, wind and fire we seek God in the still small voice or sometimes it's called the inner voice if you've ever heard that that means the same thing It's not at all dramatic, but God can speak clearly through it. We should not rule out God speaking in other ways. Indeed, um, God had to give me, through two different people close to me, two different copies of this book before I actually read it. So, (laughs) he does speak to us in, uh, in, in, uh, in other ways. But we should aim to hear him through this inner voice, this still small voice thoughts into our minds. The question is how to recognise when a thought is from God, not from ourselves. Uh, Perhaps unhelpfully, Willard says the best way is through experience. He's right, but he's right. It might sound unhelpful. How can you do it if you do it? But he's right. If you think about it, how do we learn to recognise other people and their voices? Only by listening to them. By experience of listening to different people and we learn the sound of the voice. And if we listen to God and talk with him, Willard says we will learn what his voice sounds like. We'll learn to distinguish it from our own thoughts. But it takes time and it takes practice. So the two pieces of advice to put into this, um, one from Paul, one from me, so you want to pay more attention to one from Paul, I guess. Um, from today's second, from the uh, from the Thessalonians reading, Paul says, "Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good." So, if we have something we think might be from God, we should test it against Scripture, and if it's good, we should hold on to it. When practicing conversation with God, 
we should get into the habit of doing this all the time. Does what we think we hear fit with what we know of God from the Bible? If it doesn't, we'd better ignore it. But if it does, we should hold on to it. See if it is from God. Second thought is from me, from my experience of trying these things, which is not as widespread as I'd like it to be. Um, But that thought is not to practice by talking to God about things that are really close to your heart, because your own emotions will get in the way. Certainly that's what I've found. It's very difficult to hear from God if we only ask him about the things that are about our heart's desires, the things that we desperately, desperately want. You so want a particular answer that you can't hear from God whether or not he's the answer actually is something else. So I'm going to give you an, an example of something which was much less close to my heart as an example of practicing. I should say, so I'm far from being an expert on, on, on doing this, on practicing what I'm preaching, but I, certainly while I was preparing for this sermon, I practiced. And um, when I was practicing, when I was praying through an open doors prayer list, and one of the subjects was a community center in Syria, but it just said, pray for it told me a little bit about it, I think, but there's no specific prayer request. Normally on these things you get told what things to pray for. Um, But this one, there was no specific prayer request. So I asked God what I should pray for for this centre. And I got a sense in my, a thought in my mind of of stickability, of determination against dreadful odds, and of a love for God that burns like a fire. And so that's what I prayed, those being in line with, with the Bible. I don't know if that was from God, it doesn't, but it didn't contradict the Bible. And there's nothing personal in me as to why I would want the answer to be that rather than something else. And the point is, I was practicing. And the more I practice, the more we practice, the more we can expect to be able to tell when God is speaking. It won't come straight away. But hearing God is difficult, right? Not many people hear God regularly. I suspect, actually, it's more of us than we maybe think, because we, don't, we tend not to talk about it, we tend, because it might sound like showing off. But I, there are some reasons why we don't hear from God. I'm going to give you three reasons. Uh, now, I think, I believe that if we avoid these things, these traps, and if we practice, then we all can and will hear him regularly. There's no one who's excluded from this. Anyone who loves Jesus can try this. So the three reasons are belief, motivation, and courage. We don't hear God because A, something in us stops us believing that it could happen. Or B, we don't hear God because we, we don't want to hear him for the right reasons. Or C, we don't hear God because we're scared of what he might say. So, firstly, Some people don't hear God because they don't believe it's possible, so they don't try. And if we don't try to listen to God, he will only speak to us if it's something really urgent or something like, and he'll find a way like giving me two copies of a book. Um, What actually happens is we're quite good at believing it's possible for other people and less good at believing it's possible for us. Something stops us from thinking that what happens to ordinary people in the Bible can happen to us who are ordinary people not in the Bible. We tend to think that because they're in the Bible, they're not ordinary. And then we think that sometimes, somehow it doesn't apply to us, because we are ordinary, right? Even though we get that one of the many amazing things about Jesus and his message 
is that the things of God are available to everyone, including ordinary people like us. We get that, but we still, there's still a disconnect in our minds. Now, the New Testament is really, really clear that there's no distinction in Christ between some special class of people who can be close to God and everyone else. We are all ordinary, which means we are all special in Christ. But there is a step of belief necessary, isn't there? To hear, if you imagine, the, think of the story of Moses and the burning bush, or Eli and Samuel, the beginning of, uh, of 1 Samuel. There's a step of belief necessary to hear that and think, that could happen to me too. Now, Willard's suggestion is to pause as we read the texts and use our imagination, which of course is God-given, to think, what would it be like? What would it be like if this really did happen to me? Now, but it is much easier if we see examples of it among people we know, people who we think are like us. And that's good news for us because we are in a church community that does believe God speaks and in which there are people who do hear him. So, we need to choose to believe that God does speak. Get over that hurdle. Let's now look at motivation. Many people want to hear from God for the wrong reasons. Sadly, some want to make money. And there are examples of that in the New Testament in, in Acts. The people who want, to make, who want to hear from God so that they can tell the future, or they can charge for faith healing, or something like that. Um, or others, and sadly this is more common today, um, uh, although not in, in our church, um, others believe that if they can follow God's instructions for them, he will make them healthy, happy, and prosperous. They want to hear the instructions, they want to, um, because they think that will make them healthy, happy, and prosperous in this life. And God does bless some people very richly. But nowhere in the scriptures does it say that if we hear, his, hear him and obey him, he will automatically make, he will always make us healthy, happy, and prosperous. So we're not listening to God because it's going to make our, li- our lives better in a worldly sense. Other people might want to hear God to get their own way, to win arguments, to have power over others. Claiming that your idea is from God does tend to close down arguments. <laughs> and, and there is a special temptation in churches to claim you're hearing with God as a way of getting others to listen to you. So I'm, but I'm going to assume that no one here is consciously seeking God either to the, so they can win an argument or so they can make money. There are two more subtle, more common mistakes that people make. And I think they both come under the heading of misunderstanding the type of relationship that God seeks with us. One is to believe that God wants to direct our every step. If we, if we think like this, then the sort of conversation we have is one in which we're constantly asking God for guidance, and we're not, which stops us from trusting our own ability to think. These are sort of the extreme is somebody who won't get up in the morning unless they hear a voice from a, some message from God saying, "Time to get up now." The other, the other mistake is people who only try to listen to God when they face a difficult decision, only in the hour of need. And of course, God does come to us in our hour of need. He's a good, kind, loving God who meets us in our hour of need. But we shouldn't just turn to him when we're in need, when we face a difficult decision. So neither of those is the sort of relationship God created for you 
created you for or wants to have with you. We'll come in a moment to how the right motivation to want to hear God is the same motivation you have when you listen to your family and friends, those who are really dear to you. You want to hear because you love the other person and you want to sustain and strengthen your relationship with them. First, I want to talk about the third reason we find it difficult to hear from God. And slightly to my surprise, but it made sense when I thought about it, we don't hear God because we don't want to hear from him. And this is because we're frightened what he might say. It's quite scary to think, okay, God, what do you want to say to me today? He might put, there might be bits of my life I don't want him to put a finger on. It takes courage to expose ourselves to God speaking freely to us. So I wonder, and I found I was, as I was preparing for this, I found this was me, that how many of us subconsciously use the fact that it's difficult to hear, hear God to either not listen at all or be selective about what subjects we let him speak to us about. It takes some courage to start a conversation with God by saying to him, what's on your mind today? What do you want to say to me? Um, in fact, shortly after I wrote that, I read the last chapter of, of, uh, of this book, of Willard's book, and I found this. The doleful reality is that very few human, human beings really do concretely desire to hear what God has to say to them. This is shown by how rarely we listen for his voice when we are not in trouble or when we are not being faced with a decision that we do not know how to handle. People who understand and warmly desire to hear God's voice will, by contrast, want to hear it when life is uneventful, just as much as they want to hear it when they're facing trouble or big decisions. This is a test that we should all apply to ourselves as we go in search of God's word. Do we seek it only under uncomfortable circumstances? Our answer may reveal that our failure to hear his voice when we want to is due to the fact that we do not, in general, want to hear it, that we want it only when we think we need it. Usually, those who want a word from God when they are in trouble cannot find it, or at least they have no assurance that they have found it. This is, I think, because they do not, first and foremost, simply want to hear God speaking in their lives in general. At heart, they only want to get out of trouble or to make the decisions that will be best for them. I have spoken with many who think of divine communication only as something to help them avoid trouble. Now the answer, as Willard says, the answer to the problem of fearing hearing from God is the same as the answer to the problem of motivation. It's to approach hearing God as a vital part of having a relationship with him. I said earlier that Willard's book is about hearing God so that we can converse with him, and then I said it's also about conversing with him so that we can hear him. <coughs> and this is what I meant. And now, coming to the end of the talk, but I, this is the, probably the most important piece, so this is what, what I want you to take away. We hear God because we converse with him. We converse with him because we're in relationship with him, and we are in relationship with him because we love him. If we converse with God because we love him, because we want to spend time with him, we will have the right motivation to hear him. He will want to speak into our lives. And we'll also be able to overcome our fear, just as we do in a human relationship. As we get to know someone, as we get to know them more and more, we talk about, we start off talking about subjects that aren't so, so scary and precious to us. And the, as the relationship grows, we get to talk 
and feel more comfortable talking about more sensitive things. And the more and more we know somebody, the more and more we trust them, we will overcome our, the more we overcome our fear of having a really deep personal conversation with them. And it's the same with God, because although we have many ways of getting to know what God is like, we have the Bible, which tells us a lot about what God is like, there's no real substitute when you want to get to know, to know what somebody's like to actually get to know them personally. And so having a conversation with God will help us overcome our fears of what he might want to say. So if we want to hear from God regularly, we need to set our heart and our direction on having a close relationship with him. Now Willard calls this a certain kind of life. And what he means by that is that love for God and relationship with him and the conversation that flows out of that relationship and which sustains and enhances that relationship, all these things, they become absolutely central to us. He says that love is a way of being with someone. If we practice that, if our priority is not just to love God, not just to know and do his will, but to be with God, then we will hear him. To use another of Willard's phrases, our our communication with God will take place in the context of communion with him. So, I'm going to stop talking there because there's only so much you can say on this subject. What we're going to do now is use the time we have left. The band are going to come up and play some quiet songs. Feel free to worship, but also feel free to spend time practicing conversation with God. I'm not going to tell you what that might be like. I'm not going to give you a formula because each conversation is different. We know that from our own conversations with each other and with everyone we know. So Lord, come to us and be among us now. Speak with us. We pray, Lord. Strengthen our relationships through conversation with you. Amen.